0: Welcome to the Discover Jesus podcast. This is a series uh, developed uh, to respond to some of the biggest questions uh, that we hear on university campuses uh, about Jesus.
1: I'm Lauren, I'm a student intern in Belfast, um, which I like to say means I have no responsibility and all of the fun. (laughs) Uh,
0: And I'm Sean, uh, and I'm also a student worker uh, with Agape. I'm based in Essex. Um, I guess I'm probably the one that has the responsibility, uh, sadly.
1: Yeah, we both work for Agape Students, which is an international Christian charity that works with students to. Sean.
0: Andy. I guess we uh, we discover Jesus to together. Lauren and I we're on a journey discovering more about Jesus ourselves, uh, and we love to help and encourage others to discover Jesus for themselves too.
1: So today, Agape have tripped down to OCA, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, um, because we've come to ask the experts these questions. We want to know and find out all of the intelligent answers to these questions, because we don't have them.
0: Max and Ben, can you introduce uh, yourselves uh, to us,
2: please? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm Max Baker-Height. Um, I'm a speaker affiliated with Ocker. Um, but I ha- also have another hat, which is that I'm a lecturer in philosophy at um, Wycliffe Hall, Oxford University. Um, before that, I did a PhD in philosophy at Oxford University. And then before that, I. Um, did undergraduate and master's degrees in philosophy and theology at Exeter University. So I, I've kind of, in my academic work, I've specialized in epistemology, which is sort of questions about um, the nature of evidence, rationality, knowledge, and how these concepts relate to each other, and also applying that field to questions about religious belief, arguments for and against the existence of God. But I'm also super interested in the epistemology of history and kind of how we can know about history, and especially the historical figure of Jesus. So yeah, really great to be with you guys.
1: Thanks, Max. What
3: about you, Ben? Hi. Who I, are you? I'm. Who am I? Good question. So I'm. Um, I'm Ben Thomas. I'm uh, a speaker and tutor at the OCHA Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, and I am also a medical doctor. I've been a, a doctor for just under twenty years now. And um, I became a Christian 12 years ago. And in the process of doing that, I really wanted to look at a lot of the, the truth claims of Jesus and the Bible. So this is a, um, a really um, special topic for me. And um, so I've done a lot of reading over it, uh, over the years and um, to, to, to look at the truth um, of what we read in the Bible. So it's good to be here.
0: Great. Sounds like we're in for a real treat. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so to introduce our, our topic for today, yeah. um, <clears throat> So we're gonna be thinking about, um, was Jesus real? So we have a question uh, for you guys to segue in uh, and to help us to get to know a little bit more about you. So the question is, what is the biggest piece of evidence um, that you guys walked the earth? So perhaps your descendants in the future, um, what evidence will, will they be able to discover to prove your existence?
1: <laughs> it's a good one. Good. really proud of that um, yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, I think that so it depends a lot on what our descendants decide to preserve. And the thing is that's interesting about the time we're living in compared to sort of ancient history is there's just an overabundance of stuff that we leave behind to the point where you know, are there, are my descendants really going to want to preserve my iCloud Drive? My <laughs> I don't know. Um, I suppose, yeah, probably it's going to be something digital, isn't it? Um, I okay. If I had to hazard a guess, I would probably say it's the sort of. Um, academic papers that I've published um, because they're sort of in the public domain, whereas my photos and videos, who knows whether anyone will bother to keep them. Um, (laughs) Now, whether anyone will bother to read my academic papers (laughs) more than the five people who already have read them, uh, I have no idea. But they will somewhere exist in, in, you know, cyberspace. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably my best bet of being remembered in the future.
3: Okay, okay, brilliant. How about you, Ben? One of my life highlights um, was at the age of eight being on a children's TV programme um, with uh, the celebrity Carol Vorderman. Uh, <gasps> wow. And I, I decided that I didn't know how telephones worked and that I needed to know, as a matter of urgency, how telephones worked. So I wrote into this children's programme um, because she was doing like a science thing on this thing. It's called the Wide Awake Club. And uh, I got invited on to, uh, to 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 be on and to ask her how telephones worked, which in many ways was a massive cringe looking back at it now. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, that's uh, that's what I did, and that was that was televised. So I think I will actually be somewhere on 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 kind of wow. national, national television. Wow! You've been
0: immortalised in film. Yeah. Actually, I have to say I'm slightly disappointed that <laughs> neither of you said this podcast. Yeah. But, uh, but I was coming yeah. on to
3: that. <laughs> like, yeah. And then other you know highlights in terms of this podcast. You know. You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so as you said our our topic for the day is was jesus real um so i guess i'll just give you a big open-ended question mm. how can we be sure that jesus actually existed um what evidence do we have
2: mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> so i think i would want to preface this by saying i think there's a, a sort of big information gap between um scholarships like you, know, um, academics and universities who specialise in ancient history and what they think about this and the public. So, as you guys know, there, the surveys are showing that quite high percentages of the general public think that Jesus didn't really exist. And, um, you know, I, I want to say that I can understand why that is. If you do a Google search, you get something like 80 million results <laughs> if you type in, was Jesus real or did Jesus exist? And some of the top sites that come up are sort of skeptics sites that make it sound like it's a really open question whether Jesus existed. But it's, it's not in terms of the academy, in terms of you know, professional ancient historians. So um, I think just to illustrate this, a, a friend of mine, um, John Dixon, who's um, an ancient historian, um, also sort of does public um, theology, um, he... Um, put out a sort of challenge in the Australian media in 2014, where he said, if someone can come forward with the name of a, you know, a a real professor um, who is um, in the fields of either ancient history, classics or New Testament studies, you know, holds a position at some university anywhere in the world, um, and and who thinks that Jesus didn't exist, then John would um, go on live TV and eat a page of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's sort of funny kind of challenge to put out there. But, um, you know, so that's what over eight years ago now, and no one has been able to identify a scholar in any of those fields who thinks Jesus didn't exist, which, so I think it, now, you know, let's of course get into why is that? But I think, I think it is important to start off with that thought that actually this, yes, it, it might seem on you know, on one level to be an open question if, if you kind of talk to the average person in the street. But if you talk to people in the departments of ancient history, if we go down the road in Oxford, it's, it's, it's considered to be you know, beyond reasonable doubt that, that Jesus existed.
0: Wow, so it, it, it sounds like we could maybe just leave, even leave the, the podcast there. But, but also, it, it, okay. it might be good to actually go yeah. through, like you said already, to go through some of the evidence. So yeah. what what is, yeah. is the evidence that, that we have to Jesus' existence?
2: Well, I, I would put it in terms of three things, really. So whenever historians look at an ancient document, Um, to to sort of get a sense of how reliable it is and and how likely to be true are the claims that it makes. They're thinking especially about the earliness, how close in time was it to the events? Um, And of course, how close was the person who wrote it to the events? But also multiplicity, are there other sources that corroborate, at least the general gist? And And another thing is the variety of types of sources. So we have all of those three things in abundance when it comes to Jesus. But bef- I think before we get into that, I just I think it's important to really stress this point. So only about one percent of the documentation from the first century has survived to, to, to this day. And there's a heavy bias towards um, r- the records of uh, very prominent political and military figures. Um, So, you know, we have a decent amount of evidence concerning the the Caesars, the Roman emperors. Um, And, you know, King Herod, Herod the Great, who built lots of big palaces and and so on in in, um, Israel, Palestine. So there's, there's, you know, some uh, literary evidence about him. But what's quite striking is Jesus was none of those things. He wasn't a military leader. He wasn't a political leader. He was just a, a craftsman um, from this sort of little backwater in the Roman Empire. But actually, he's attested in many more written sources than Herod the Great. He was the, the greatest kind of Jewish king of his day. I mean, with Jesus, the most scholars would say the, the earliest sources are um, that we have that talk about Jesus um, are the letters of the Apostle Paul. Now, yes, the, the Apostle Paul was a follower of Jesus, although not during... Uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. Paul, you know, converted famously with this experience on the Damascus Road, having been a persecutor. But um, Paul, um, you know, even the most sceptical of historians who would want to chip away at lots of different bits of the Gospels, um, would accept that you know there really was this guy called Paul who converted to be a Jesus follower and um, who wrote at least seven letters that were definitely, all scholars would agree, seven letters that are attributed to Paul were really by this guy. And they would all agree that Paul is sincere when he says that he visited Jerusalem several times and met with the brothers of Jesus, and that he talked to eyewitnesses who claimed that they saw Jesus alive after his death, whatever one makes of of those claims, Um, but certainly that the sincerity is not, not in doubt. And so this is really important because Paul was writing within, you know, just a couple of decades of Jesus' crucifixion. And when you compare that with, say, the Emperor Tiberius, the earliest written source we have about him um, is 77 years after his death. And that's not considered a huge time gap in terms of ancient history. So the the letters of Paul are really an, an enormous kind of bedrock, which is very difficult for anyone to get around if they're trying to deny the existence of Jesus, because Paul attests numerous um, kind of important facts that, that cl- make clear that you know Paul knew living relatives and friends of Jesus, and you know that Paul knows various things about him, uh, and knows about the way in which he died and so on. Um, and so, so that's one thing, the earliness. And then, the, of course, the gospels. Um, which were written within maybe three, four, five decades of of the events, which I know sounds a long time in our terms, but actually again in ancient history terms that that wasn't a big gap, Um, and it was during the time which eyewitnesses were still alive. But then we've also got, and it's important to mention this, um, a number of sources which are not written by followers of Jesus at all. So Um, Josephus was a Jewish aristocrat um, who was writing towards the end of the first century and he has a big work called The Antiquities of the Jewish People and it has two references to Jesus. One of them is a bit complicated because scholars agree it has been sort of touched up over the years by Christian scribes. Most scholars do think you can get back to an original core that did talk about Jesus But the other reference is not really in doubt at all and that talks about how um, the brother of Jesus, James, was executed. Anyway, so uh, what Josephus says about Jesus is quite minimal but it completely fits with what the New Testament says. So Josephus says that he was a teacher, he was loved by lots of people, seen as a wise man, had this reputation for doing miracles and that he was executed by crucifixion. Then we've also got a Roman historian called Tacitus, um, who was a senator, um, who uh, wrote a history of of imperial Rome in the early second century, and he refers to him as Crestus. but he, he, he knows that Jesus was the founder of this movement um, which you know, blossomed and spread as far as Rome. And he knows that Jesus was crucified under the, um, under the authority of Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman governor of Judea. And so you know, you've got this kind of variety of types of sources. You've got both fo- people who followed him, Um, And and I think it's important to say as well, Paul is a bit different from Jesus' other followers because he didn't start out following Jesus. He started out hostile too. But then you've got these non-Christian sources who are, they don't like the Christian movement, but they're writing about how Jesus founded this movement and did various things that match with what the New Testament says.
1: Why are there four different accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible? Um, like why do we need four different sources? And what is important about each source?
3: Yeah, so that that was very much something that I looked at when I was in the process of, of b- becoming a Christian, and uh, the, a lot of the um, questions that are often raised are, like, you know, are there contradictions um, between the accounts, and why there's some differences mm-hmm. written, why did why are, are some things included in in all four accounts of Jesus' life and others um, where there's there's only only mentioned in one of the gospels, and. To me, I mean, particularly as a, a as a doctor, when you're trying to look at you, you haven't got the whole picture, but you're trying to piece together what's happened. It's actually very helpful to have multiple people speak into an event from their perspective. And when you do that, you will expect there to be some differences because, of course, people have different perspectives. They've come into the event at different times. They were in different places. They didn't all see it, um, but actually, um, they, they were they you were know, they did see bits of it and then you can kind of piece together the puzzle from there. And that, for me, and I think a lot of scholars who've done this, um, actually makes it more um, credible, the fact that you've got multiple people um, all talking about roughly th- the same thing, um, even to the level that there are some differences between the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, um, there are different emphases. Um, for example, at the, um, uh, at the empty tomb, um, when, when uh, Jesus had risen, is what we believe that he had risen, um, but there are different accounts as to who was actually at the tomb. But those, when you look at them, aren't actually contradictory. They're just different accounts of of, uh, which people were at the tomb itself. Um, and so um, but you're particularly looking at the, at the women who'd arrived. When you look at the different gospels, there, there are different accounts of that. But that actually makes it more credible. Um, I'm inherently cynical um, <laughs> and, uh, and a disbelieving person. You kind of think, well, actually, um, if, if the story was exactly the same four times over, mm-hmm. that would lead me to think, hang on, has this actually been made up and kind of fabricated mm-hmm. in a way? But the fact that there are actual uh, differences that you can Um, very likely explain, due to the different perspectives of people and the the times that they were there, then that makes it a lot more credible. Um, and also, there's, there's just the, the, the natural thing that, that Jesus did a lot of things. He had a very busy <laughs> time of ministry and people were in those times for, for different parts there. You've got um, Luke who is a um, not, not strictly speaking an eyewitness to the things of Jesus but wanted to document them down and, and had spoken with a lot of people who, who were eyewitnesses. And then you've got John, for example, um, who was um, one of the apostles that very close to Jesus. So you've got a number of different people writing those things down. I think it's um, also very, very transparent about the fact that it's likely that some of the um, material from the Gospels was shared between the people who wrote those Gospels. Um, and again, um, if you're wanting to preserve the um, accuracy of, of an event, it would seem very reasonable to kind of say, okay, well, hang on, what, what, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? And so you can actually make sure that you're, um, you're talking about the same um, the same thing and that you're accurately recording um, exactly what happened.
1: Why should we trust um, the Bible? Because, I guess, when you look at it, it's it's a Christian source mm. and it can be <coughs> easy to um, assume that because it's a Christian source, it's biased in some mm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, and what about like other non-Christian sources mm-hmm. or... Um, yeah, sources that aren't from followers
3: of Jesus. Do you, do you want to keep- yeah, so I think um, going back to what Max said earlier, you've got um, I found the the story and the account of Paul um, mm-hmm. initially Saul very persuasive because actually he was a hater of Christians and spent the the certainly in the first part of the, part of the Book of Acts that was also written by Luke. Was it, there's a lot, lot of good evidence to suggest that um, he was he was a, a big persecutor of Christians, so there there would have been no reason for him to have um, made anything up in that way. And then there there was a conversion experience. Um, whereby he then um, changed his tune as a result of that experience that he'd had, and so you've got you've got people in there who are very you know sort of actually in the Bible itself um, who were um, very sceptical and, and actually uh, greatly disliked uh, the the person of Jesus and, and Christianity as a whole um, who who then became dissuaded um, from it. The other thing that I found persuasive was that um, a lot of the people, the early Jesus followers, suffered a lot um, for their beliefs and actually many of them died um, in, in, the, in, the, um, in, in that process um, of, of you know, essentially saying, look, we believe that this is true. And um, although you can't ever completely guarantee it, it seems um, highly unusual to die for something that you actually know to be untrue. Um, It may be that you are deluded, but actually, it's very unusual to actually die for something that you think is untrue. so because we generally um, have that kind of joie de of and desire to kind of keep alive is a, a kind of a, a basic human human instinct so I think those um, those things to, together are, are quite persuasive and and also the fact again going back to what Max said earlier that you have um, a number of uh, people outside of the Bible who have also vouched for the things that happened now they may not have believed that Jesus was the Son of God they may not have liked Christianity but they were certainly Certainly, able to vouch for the fact um, as, as they saw it. And actually, a lot of the extra biblical sources that we had um, would, would sort of testify to various bits in Jesus' um, account, is his death and his resurrection, and then um, the story of the early church becoming, in their view, quite problematic. Um, and so, there's the, you, we've got um, a lot of um, things that, for, for written by people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to, to want to tell the truth in this regard.
1: I think one question that I have, and one thing that I'm curious about um, for both of you, but Ben, you kind of touched already on how the evidence for Jesus and his existence and his um, credibility, What my I guess my question is, what is one thing, or what are some things that have convinced you that Jesus is real? I know you talked about Paul's writings and things, but maybe tell us a bit more about your story and why... This was so
3: important to you. I yeah, I, I don't know whether it's the fact that, that with my kind of scientific background or, 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 or whatever, but I've always been um, interested in, in what is the truth. Like, I don't want to believe anything because it sounds nice. I want, I want to actually believe it because I think it's got a really good chance of being true. And so um, from that point of view, I um, really appreciate the fact that we have um, modern scholars now who are um, you know, Christian and non-Christian um, who would um, testify to the fact that, that, that Jesus was real. We also had people, the early writings, as we've said, also written by people Maybe with the motivation to say that Jesus is real, but also not with the motivation to say that Jesus was real, um, testifying to that. And also, I think that the the most persuasive thing for me is the um, the documentation of the eyewitness testimony that was that was done so close um, to to the time when when Jesus mm-hmm. was around. Um, that uh, I think is, is is really quite a privilege from from what I understand, Matt, compared to most other ancient mm. literature, mm-hmm. which is written many more years, in fact, at a, mm. at a distance from the events that happen. so it's, yeah. it is actually quite a, an exquisite privilege to, to have that stuff that is so close, because it means that the chances of myth developing mm-hmm. um, is 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 so much less, and that I guess alludes to what Max yeah. was saying about the other, um, the, the sort of the, what's maybe known as more Gnostic gospels sort of thing that where there's potentially some myth um, coming in there, mm-hmm. um, and so you know the the early documentation, um, the multiple attestation, and people who wouldn't necessarily have a bias. To, to, to write about Jesus, actually writing that anyway. And um, I think those three things were the, were the most persuasive thing for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks very much, Ben. Yeah. That's really helpful to hear how you have um, been impacted by this. But I guess one question to wrap us up would be, why, why do you think it matters that mm-hmm. Jesus existed?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think th- the reason it matters is because Jesus... Um, made claims about himself and his early followers made claims about himself that if they are true do do change everything. So you know the, Jesus earliest followers um, claim in, in very surprising terms given that these are devout monotheistic Jews who believe in one God um, you know they, they from and, and there's really very good historical evidence that the, the belief that Jesus was, God incarnate um, goes back to the earliest days of the Christian movement after Jesus' death and what they believed was his resurrection. Um, so it, it can't be notched up to a sort of, um, you know, some kind of developing idea that, that escalates over time. It, it is really a very surprising phenomenon that, that these monotheistic Jews <clears throat> believed that God had come in the form of a man. And so, you know, if this is the case, if if, if that's true, then, then it means that, um, you know, God has actually stepped into human history and has experienced all the messiness and brokenness of this world in the flesh, in the first person. Um, for me, that when I was sort of looking into Christianity and, and trying to figure out whether I thought it was true at the age of 19, a thought did strike me one day, which was that you know, given that human life is, is hard, you know, it's, um, it has its joys, but, but I think no one is immune from suffering and this world can be a really rough place and actually it struck me that I don't think I could believe in God um, unless that, that God had actually experienced what it's like to be a human being in the first person. So for me, I think that that's that's why it matters whether Jesus existed.
3: I think um, uh, C.S. Lewis said something really helpful that is quite well known um, for, for um, those who uh, obsess over his um, <laughs> writings. But um, he he gave the the trilemma um, uh, effectively that that Jesus was um, either a, a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. Um, mm. so the stuff that was actually said. That he said in the Gospels, if that is to be believed, and you know, as, as you've heard, um, we think that it is credible um, testimony. Then he wasn't just a good person, or you know, quite a, a nice, nice bloke who was a carpenter kind of thing. He he didn't leave that open. Um, he was either completely deluded, um, or um, he was making it up and was a deeply unpleasant and sinister individual, or he was actually God. And, and each person who reads um, the, the biographies of Jesus is encouraged to make the decision for themselves. Um, and that is what I'd encourage anyone who's watching or listening to this podcast to make that decision for mm-hmm. themselves as well. On on the, on those three, I think personally there's ample evidence there um, from that from the later writings um, of Paul and the other and the other um, books of the New Testament, and also the completion of what Jesus has done from the Old Testament as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more than enough evidence um, for me to 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 make that clear. Um, but that is that is the. Um, the challenge that C.S. Lewis gives to anyone who reads the accounts of Jesus.
0: That's, that's brilliant. Max and Ben, thank you so much for your time today. It's been, <laughs> it's been fascinating. Um, Laura and I have learned an awful lot, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have as well. Um, it's, it's just a shame we don't have more time. So if, if we want to dig a bit more into some of these things, do you have some recommendations for us about where, where we should go to do that?
2: Yeah so let me recommend two books and one website. So the two books are um, so John Dixon who as I mentioned is an ancient historian. He's got a book called Is Jesus History? And then uh, Peter J. Williams. So he's a a scholar of um, New Testament studies based at Cambridge University and he has a book called Can We Trust the Gospels? So those are two um, really accessible but um, books written by proper credentialed scholars, um, really um, full of um, of helpful insights. And then one website um, which really kind of summarises the the evidence for the existence of Jesus. So um, beliefmap.org slash Jesus slash exist hashtag historians. I'll say that one more time. So it's beliefmap.org slash jesus slash exist hashtag historians. So that's a a, a really useful resource, very succinct summary of of some of the key evidence for the existence of Jesus.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Discover Jesus podcast. Um, Don't forget that this is part of a series of episodes answering questions that students have about Jesus. So you can find more information about that at www.agape.org.uk slash discover podcast um, there will be all the information about the speakers that we've had on the different episodes with their bios their recommendations for further information as well as some recommendations that we have um, there'll also be information on there about conversation groups that you can be a part of and see if there's one happening in your area to discuss more about discovering jesus and these big questions but i think that's everything and bye for now